Well, take your Bibles this evening and turn to Acts chapter number 27, if you would please. Acts 27, we'll get back into our study regarding the voyage of the Apostle Paul as he's on his way to Rome. And last week, as we uh, continued on, we came through verse number 26. Now, we're going to start in verse 20 tonight and uh, find our place there and God willing, finish out this account of Paul's voyage there to Rome. So I'm trusting that God will use this in a great way. The, uh, the title of the message tonight is this, Spiritual Leadership in a Secular World. Spiritual Leadership in a Secular World. So let's read now Acts chapter 27 and verse number 20. So Luke is describing the storm as it is on them, and it says in verse 20, And when neither sun nor stars and many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the fourteenth night was come, and or as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country, and sounded and found it fifteen fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you, take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not an hair fall from your, the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread... And gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. And we were all in the ship, two hundred, threescore, and sixteen souls. And when they had eaten enough, they lighted, lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore into the which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. When they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves into the sea, and loosed the rudder bands, and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind, 
and made toward shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the, and the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land, and the rest some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Spiritual leadership in a secular world. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. We'll get into the message here tonight. Last week we saw, as, as we read and made comment along the way, regarding the storm in which they found themselves, that it was a desperate situation. They had little, as we saw there, as, as Luke was documenting this, he said, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. They hadn't seen the sun and moon for many days. And we made uh, some insights here, and I just want to review them just to bring us all up to speed and just to reiterate some things here tonight, that things can go from smooth to tempestuous in a split second. Things can go from smooth sailing to a violent storm. And when you're caught in the vortex of a storm such as that, then you realize just how powerless you are, how, how limited you are to make a difference. But it is natural that you would try to do everything you could to survive, and that's exactly what they did. That it took whatever measures they could to survive, but storms have a way of helping you to realize just even what is really essential to life. And thus they began throwing things overboard to lighten the ship and, and what was once precious cargo that was going to bring great revenue. They tossed that over just because instead of making great revenue, they just simply wanted to live at that point. And then we saw this, that the length and the severity of the storm can bring you to the point of, of desperation. When it says there that no small tempest lay on us, it was a violent and wicked storm that was upon them, and it lay on them many days. But then we saw this encouraging ray of hope that God is still sovereign in life storms. He's still sovereign despite human sinfulness. He's still sovereign despite natural disasters. He's still sovereign despite your, your eras and my eras and other people's as well. God is still sovereign. And so Paul, we found that he was confident in the midst of the storm while it was yet raging because he had God's word on what the Lord Jesus had told him. He knew the Lord's presence and he was living for God's purpose. He did not look at Christ through his circumstances, but rather as we're seeing in the book of Philippians right now, he looked at his circumstances through Christ and that made all the world of difference. And so Paul is encouraged and helped here because the point of desperation was not too much for God. God stands by us and speaks to us in our times of desperation. We saw this, that the storm does not have to be calm for you to be calm. The storm does not have to be calm for you to be calm. The storm does not have to be still for you to hear the still, small voice of God. See, here's why. The storm, the presence of the storm does not separate you from the presence of God. The presence of the storm does not separate you from the presence and the purpose 
of God. And so that's encouraging. That's encouraging to remember when the storm comes on you. Tonight, I want you to see this, that the storms of life do not have to keep you from bearing witness to the risen Savior. Let me say that again. The storms of life do not keep you, should not keep you from bearing witness to the risen Savior. Rather, storms provide the opportunity for you to bear witness to the risen Savior. There may be times and ways in which it is rather difficult to bear that witness in the midst of the storms. And so uh, just a couple, uh, well, maybe three or four weeks ago now, uh, Brother Tully Owen handed me a, uh, a document on my way out just after the end of a service. And uh, Brother Tully and Miss Joyce, by the way, on September the 11th, that this, that's this Thursday, of course, will be married 60 years. Isn't that a blessing? Brother Tully, raise your hand here. What a, what a blessing. Thank God for the Owen family and, and uh, for 60 years. What a blessing. Well, it just so works. As Brother Phillips is here tonight, and he mentioned, I asked if he would even mention that story about Bob Hughes. Because uh, this is a document that Brother Tolley gave me, uh, written by a lady named Betty Ferris of the Tulsa Baptist Temple back in 1978. And so it's really an inter interesting article. And it's entitled this, His Cancer Furthered His Outreach. And it's about Bob, Bob Hughes. Uh, Bob Hughes, by the way, back in uh, 1954, uh, married this young couple that's going to be uh, married 60 years on Thursday. So how about that? Uh, 60 years ago, Bob Hughes, who was a, a student, I'm assuming, at Baptist Bible College, was driving down to Springdale, Arkansas, and uh, married this couple off. What a blessing. Well, I'm not going to take time to read uh, the article, but basically it covers how that unexpectedly a storm came on his life. And uh, if you know the name Bob Hughes, you know that God greatly used him and in many ways is still using him, though he's in heaven. Um, God has done an incredible work there in the Philippines. He had a real burden to distribute the Word of God and, and uh, had printed 580,000 New Testaments, and, uh, and they went out all over the Philippines. And, and then as I understood and read from this story, I was reminded how that, how that at first uh, he was greatly depressed. He was greatly discouraged by the doctor's news that he had cancer and that it was very, very serious. And it didn't look like he would live very long, and so he was overwhelmed by that. But the story tells how that in, in he came to this passage in First Thessalonians chapter 5, that in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And he said, you know, that the Lord just worked on his heart and that, that he wasn't going to allow this storm that came on him to discourage him from doing what God called him to do. And so here's what he did. I just want to read this little segment. He contacted actually a Filipino a Roman Catholic printer who agreed to print 100,000 more New Testaments at 15 cents a copy. And so he told him, you know, the story of how God provided for him to do the 580,000. And, and then later it says this, that later New Testaments <coughs> were printed. And when the two, 200,000th copy came off the press, Bob Hughes took it and showed the pages of it to the printer, the man doing the printing, the Catholic man, and led him to Christ using his own printed New Testament there. Isn't that wonderful? Well, he longed for 420,000 more New Testaments to be distributed by Christmas of 1976. And he came back to the States and, and uh, faced, you know, the doctor's visits and things of that nature. And he was in Texas. And at a church there in Texas, there was a couple Filipino ladies that were nurses that had come 
from the Philippines to Texas to, to work as a nurse and says that before the church service, two little boys came up, each of them having 15 cents. And they said, uh, Brother Hughes, we want to give you 15 cents that somebody in the Philippines might be able to have a New Testament. So he put that 30 cents in his pocket. And then at that same church, he led those two ladies to Christ. And then uh, God continued to work. But the story does, does go on. And I, I'm not going to take the time tonight to read all of it. But, uh, but in, on August the 21st, 1976, uh, Bob Hughes went home to be with the Lord. It says, with his loved ones present, he smiled, lifted up his hands, and went into God's presence. And it tells about the um, funeral service that was held in Springfield and how that over 100 students responded to a challenge to fill in the gap. And I really believe God has honored that man's life. Testimony. And I want to thank God that even as the, uh, as the storm came on, the unexpected happened. Although he was discouraged at first, he didn't let that deter him from what God had called him to do. It's a blessing. Storms come on us. They come unexpectedly. They come with fury. But you know, it may take a storm for somebody who once did not listen to listen. It may take a storm in their life. It may be a storm that God puts you in for them to listen. You see, we're studying the example here of Paul and how that Paul had warned him. He said, listen, I don't think we ought to lose from here. I don't think we ought to try to sail around the other side of the island. They dismissed Paul's counsel. But now in the midst of the storm, suddenly they're listening. Did you catch that? Suddenly in the midst of the storm, they gave attention to what he had to say. The word secular, secular means this, not controlled by a religious body, not, control, not concerned with religious or spiritual matters, people that are just, they're just not really interested in spiritual things. They live strictly for what they can see, and, and thus you have secular education. I mean, it's not concerned with spiritual matters. A secular job, people there at that secular job who are working, living day by day, not really giving much thought to God as far as maybe you know. Maybe they give more thought to Him than what you think. <clears throat> but their life is not all about God. I want to say to you tonight, it may take a storm for those who have been living for this world to listen to someone who's living for the next world. It may take a storm in their life for someone who is living strictly for this world to listen to somebody like you who's living for the next. And so Paul is that man in this situation, and he was willing to give them counsel and to give them insight and help. He was close to the Lord. In the midst of the storms that come to our lives, there's times in which that you may have to, have to grapple with God, as one person put it. There's times we just have to grapple with God through the storms. And, and he wasn't mean that in a, any kind of a disrespectful way, but it was just simply this. It's easy to lose sight of God's sovereignty when you're under the pressures of daily life. And, you get, and you're thrown into this situation, and you know that God is sovereign, but sometimes that just doesn't seem to make sense when you're under such immense pressures. 
And there may be times just like Asaph had to do in Psalm 73 where Asaph said, Lord, I, I know truly God is good to Israel, but as for me, he said, God, I know you've been good to all kinds of people, but, uh, you know, you, you miss me. Uh, God, I, I know that you're good, but I don't understand why I'm living right that there's wicked people that are doing great. He, he was grappling with God. But I'm thankful that God allows us that opportunity to wrestle with some of those things. And, he, and it wasn't until he went to the house of God that God gave him that perspective or that he gained that perspective. And then he saw things more clearly. He saw things from God's perspective. And God can use us in the midst of the storm to be a testimony to other people. Have in my pocket, I try to keep, and, and my boys especially uh, enjoy passing out these tracks. Uh, it says, uh, thank you for your service to our country. Well, this, this track was developed in the midst of a storm. Brother Jack Smith went home to be with the Lord a couple years ago and had a real burden for the uh, men and women that go here to the VA hospital. Himself being, of course, a, a veteran. And he just had a real burden and said, I wish that we could get a track that would uh, be something that we could give to men and women that are in the military or that are veterans. And so now, see, we have the opportunity, and I'm sure that many of you give these tracks out, airports or places of business. Anytime my uh, little boys especially see a man, you know, dressed in camo, I mean, they want to give it to him, you know. Well, see, I'd love for Jack Smith still to be here. But God chose to take him home. But after that, God's still using him. And through the storm, others are hearing the gospel. And that, that gospel witness can go out into a secular world when believers trust God through the storm. I want you to see that tonight. Here's, uh, here's Paul, and they've been blown off course. I mean, we're talking about they've been blown 475 miles from Clauda to Malta. And now they're dangerously close to the shore, and, and they're at 20 fathoms, which would be 120-foot deep waters, and then at 15 fathoms, 90 feet deep. And so now they're getting dangerously close to what may be a rock shore, and and so there's great alarm on the boat. And, and so these experienced sailors, uh, they go up to the front part of the boat. And so they're uh, acting as though they're going to let down the anchors. When really what they're doing is they're letting down the rowboat so that they could escape. And Paul understands what's going on. And he says to the centurion and he says to the soldiers that are there, he says, if these men escape, we're not going to live. Because they're the ones who are experienced in making, in knowing how to make this ship work right. And so he says, they can't go. And so I love what the soldiers did. They just cut the ropes and let the boat fall. Made it impossible for them to escape. Paul stood in their midst and said, hey, listen, it's been a long time since you've eaten a good square meal, since you've had a good meal. Sometimes the best thing you can do in the worst of times is eat a meal. Can I get an amen there? Amen. They said, uh, it'd be good for us to eat. You need to eat. But I love what Paul did. He took bread. I, I've, actually, I've still got bread left here from this morning. He, <laughs> he took bread. Oh, this is great. See, this just works out. He t I tell you what, I stood here this morning and that bread was smelling so good. I got so hungry. 
for uh, noontime. But he took that bread, and I love what he did. He, in the presence of all those secular men, those people who weren't really concerned about God, he, he stopped, and he took that bread, and he blessed it. He gave thanks for it. He prayed and thanked the Lord for it right there in their midst. Somebody uh, saw the, a group of young teenage boys. They saw an older man at a restaurant bow his head and pray before he ate. And they teased him. They said, hey, old man, does everybody pray before they eat where you come from? And he said, the pigs don't. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, the pigs don't. But here's Paul right in the midst of the storm, and he just, he just stops, and he gives thanks for that bread, and he, and he blesses it, and they eat and, and enjoy it. And I don't believe they were observing the Lord's Supper. They were eating a meal, you know. But certainly Paul paused to do this. God, I thank you that you're with us in the midst of this storm. Now, when they looked around and they saw the evidence of the storm and the evidence of the danger that was all around them, it would seem as though God was nowhere present. But here's a man of faith who's trusting God through the storm. And when you, as a spiritual leader, you say, well, I'm not a leader. No, wait a minute. You're an example before others. That makes you a leader. And so when you, before others, and they know the storm that you're going through, and you still stop and pray, and you acknowledge God's presence, that's a testimony before people who don't care or not concerned about God and the things of God. It's a testimony before the secular world. And so they stopped and they prayed, and, and God gave a great deliverance that day. And so the, as they were cast upon the shore, I mean, you can just envision the scene as the boat is just, is just stuck there in, the, in their land, and the waves are just continuing to pound upon it, and it's evident that the boat is going to break apart. The soldiers said this, Let's kill all the, all the prisoners lest they escape because they understood the ramifications of if they allowed uh, prisoners to escape. Remember, uh, pardon me, you know, as the, as the Philippian jailer, as the, the doors were open and the prisoners seemingly would have been gone, he was going to take his own life because really that was what was going to happen to him anyways. So that's what they're saying. We better kill all the prisoners so that none of them escape. But the centurion, watch this testimony here. The centurion because of Paul said, no, wait a minute, nobody dies. The testimony of a man who is in tune with God spared the life of those around him. I read in the book of Jonah about a preacher, a spiritual leader, who was out of tune with God's will and jeopardized the lives of those around him. But here we have a spiritual leader who's in tune with God's will, who's trusting God, and God used him to save the 276 men that were on the boat. Because those who trust the Lord through the storms of life provide spiritual leadership in a secular world. I look out tonight and I see some folks that are in the midst of storms. We did not have a sign-up sheet. <clears throat> if you'd like to be in a storm, please sign up. <laughs> if we did, I guarantee you there wouldn't be anybody here in their right mind that would say, yeah, sign me up for that. What's the worst I can get? No, I don't think there'd be anybody that do that. I'm looking out tonight, and I'm seeing people that are in storms. Not everybody, but some. You didn't sign up for that. You didn't sign up for it, but it's come your way. Can I say to you tonight, since it's come your way, 
respond in a spiritual fashion. How can you do that? Only with the help of God. Only with the grace of God. That's what Paul did. With the grace of God, respond. It may be this. It may be that you're going to have to grapple with God. You're going to have to get along with God. You're going to have to grapple with Him and wrestle with Him. And maybe like Asaph, just say, God, I don't, I don't get this. I don't understand it. And isn't it, isn't it wonderful that God is gracious to allow us to have those times where we do wrestle with those things? But as you wrestle with those things and you bring them before the Lord and you draw close to God, I believe this is what happens. God gives you peace and God gives you grace and God gives you strength. He may not give you understanding. He's not going to tell you exactly all that's going to happen. But it, listen, if you come to him, he'll give you exactly what you need at that time that you might go back out there to the world, the world of believers as well as the secular world, and say something like this, be of good cheer, I believe God. I know that his word is true. I know that he was with me. And I know that nothing passes my way that does not pass through his awareness. He knows what I'm about to go through. He knows what I'm going through. And listen tonight, others are taking notice of how you handle the storm. Your neighbors and your family members and the people at work and your classmates and a teacher and a friend, people are watching. And that's not to put pressure on us, but that ought to make us aware that we need to draw ever closer to God so that we'd have the right response when the storm is on. And thus, as a result of that, have an impact on the next generation. On the way to church just yesterday, I heard the testimony of a lady named Gail McWilliams. And maybe you've heard of her. That was the first that I'd heard of her. But just a remarkable, remarkable story. I was, I was uh, driving and listening to uh, Bot Radio and uh, the complete story with Dick and Rich Bot. And, and so she was telling her life story. And there's a book called Seeing Beyond, Choosing to Look Beyond the Horizon. Well, the story is this. This is a... As a young lady, uh, she, as a youth, she had diabetes. And so the doctors told her uh, that there may be a time when you lose your eyesight. She's uh, weeks away, literally weeks away from her marriage, her wedding. So she and her fiancé, having made all their plans, were going for a final doctor's visit before uh, their wedding. This was in the... Uh, you know, in the late wintertime, almost springtime. I mean, it was just about to snap winter and, and go right into spring, and their wedding was in the spring, I believe it was. And, and so they were on their way to the doctor talking about wedding plans and all those things. They're in the uh, doctor's office. They had a long wait. Uh, uh, well, that's, I didn't have to say that, but that's just what happened. They had a long wait. And so then they called her name, and she went up to the desk and was so joyful about saying this. There's coming a short... Uh, soon, it's going to be soon that you're going to have to change my last name. Excited about those things. And so they went in and the doctor gave her the news that it looks as though at some point in your life, the way things are looking, it's just obvious to us that you're at one point going to lose your eyesight. Can you imagine the drive home? Here you are, 20 years old, 22, whatever she was at that point, hopes up. In a few weeks, she'd be married. And they're driving home, and it was silent. And here's a young man driving, about to marry someone who evidently is going to go blind. She even said to him, if you don't want to marry me, you don't have to. <laughs> she got home, and, 
And uh, there in Illinois, it came a great ice storm. And it had snapped power lines. So when they got home, it was dark. And not only was it dark, but the sump pump down in the basement had failed because of the power failure, of course. And so water had flooded the basement. Her wedding dress was down in the basement. And uh, unfortunately, the, the bottom part of it was, was under some of the water. And so all that was just happening. She said, you know, the, storms were, the storm clouds were just rolling in. After they married, the doctor said, it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to have children. They had five. The first child, they had some miscarriages leading up to that, but they had their first child. With her second child, it was going to be a girl. The doctor said this. A secular doctor said, we've seen the pattern here. Today you need to decide. Either your eyes or your baby. If you proceed with this pregnancy, it will cause you to lose your eyesight. She said this. The decision is already made. The doctor ridiculed her. He said, that's a foolish decision. Do you understand? You're going to lose your eyesight. She said, my mind was reeling, and it w but it went back to Deuteronomy chapter 30, how that God said, I've set before you life and death. Therefore, choose life that you, that ye and your seed may live. Amen. She said, I chose life that day. And just like the doctor said... She lost her eyesight, and to this day, she's blind. She travels and speaks and, and has written a book. The audio version of that book, I understand that that daughter that was born, she's the one who reads it. And she's had children, and so now this, their second daughter has given them grandchildren. Somebody asked Miss Gail McWilliams, said, how can you have such joy and yet you can't see? She said this, how can you see and not have joy? She said, it was in my darkest hour that my vision was birthed. It was in my darkest hour that I really saw just who God is and what God can do and what he was doing in my life. And so instead of complaining about her life circumstances, it seems as though to me, though I don't know much about her, she's allowing God to use those circumstances to bring him greater honor and glory. That's it. In a secular world, people can receive a witness of the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ if there's people who are trusting God through those times. I rode up to Tulsa with Brother Russ Bishop just this past uh, Friday night. Just he and I going to an ordination service. And um, he uh, shared with me how that here just recently at the YMCA up in Edmond, uh, I need to mention this, of course, that Bo Bishop, their oldest son, 20 years old, just this past spring, uh, passed away in a, in a car accident. They're reeling still from that, as you might imagine. But um, Bo and uh, Brother Russ's, one thing they did quite a bit together was they'd go work out at the Y together. And they'd play basketball. And they'd play basketball with just whoever was there. Well, they witnessed to those people. Since Bo's death, some of those men they played basketball with have been saved. They raised a banner in Bo's honor this past, uh, just this past month or so. 
And uh, with they, I guess evidently there was about four other young people who attended that Y that also had died within the last few years. And so they invited those families, they invited uh, the parents to come, and they invited each of the parents to stand and say something. To over 100, more, 100 or more people, Brother Russ was sharing with me, he said it was an amazing opportunity. And he stood there, and he told him about Bo's life. And he told him about the history, even of the YMCA, how it was founded uh, there with the idea of the gospel. And it's got a long way away from a lot of those early reasons there. But for young men and their character and the development of their character and their testimony. And, and Brother, Bo, uh, Brother uh, Russ was just sharing with me how that Bo exemplified those things. And listen, here, here he is in the midst of a storm with secular people all about him standing and a banner raised that gives testimony to the grace and goodness of God and the sufficiency of God even in the midst of a storm. And I believe God is glorified by that. The very last message, I mean literally, Bo preached Sunday night. Many of you know this, you attended his funeral service. His place was filled that Sunday night prior to his, his passing, he preached about life storms. That was his last message, but it's still preaching. And God is still using his life. Why is that? Because spiritual leaders, when they trust God through life storms, they're a witness to those who aren't really caring or concerned about the things of God until they see a family go through a storm. And then they say there's something different about that family. There was something different about that young man. As a result of that, others have been saved, and there's people coming to church up in Edmond at Lighthouse Baptist Church. Amen. Somebody's watching your life. They see you go through storms. Sometimes, can't we complain when just the slightest breeze blows against us? When just the slightest thing doesn't go our way? You know, sometimes we just need perspective, don't we? But then when some of those storms do hit, trust the Lord through them. It may be that God's going to use that storm to get the attention of 275 other people that need to hear what you had to say. Amen. And that need to watch your life and need to see you stand and thank God and acknowledge His presence in the storm. The, calm, the storm doesn't have to be calm for you to be. You can know God's presence in the storm. Amen. Let's stand together tonight. How many of you tonight say, Brother Jason, pray for me. Here I am in the midst of a storm. It seems like in my life. Would you raise your hand tonight? Yep. Hands are out in the midst of a storm. Certainly we all need the Lord's help. I'm going to pray for you tonight and invite you to come if you'd like to for an invitation Come and just simply come before the Lord and trust Him in the midst of the storm. Father, I thank You for the testimony of others like Paul and modern-day testimonies as Ms. McWilliams and Russ Bishop and Michelle and their family. I do hold them up to You in prayer. Thank You, God, for how You're helping them. I do pray for those that just raised their hand, dear God. They know that the secular world around them needs a witness. And I pray that you'd help them in giving them that grace in the midst of the storm, dear God. 
And I thank you, Lord, for the testimonies that are all about us here tonight. I pray that you'd use us, dear God. Thank you for this chapter of the Bible and the testimony of this man who loved you and stood for you. In Jesus' name, amen.